It's crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network, which means we've got Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins here on Locked On Steelers. It's going to be a fun crossover episode. We're going to talk about matchups, why with Tua back and Kenny back, how there's an interesting dynamic here for both teams that could teeter between who's more conservative, who takes the bigger risks, and which defense preys on those risks in this game. We'll talk about all that and more right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, football fans? It is Thursday here on the Locked On Network, and you know what that means. It is Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Network. I am Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, joined by Christopher Carter of Locked On Steelers. We have a primetime showcase on Sunday night football between the Dolphins and Steelers. And there's plenty of interesting storylines at hand here that I'm sure we're going to talk about throughout the course of this episode of Crossover Thursday. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is so much fun and it's so easy to play. There's no competing against other players. It's you versus the house. The projections available set by Prize Picks. Pick two to five players. If they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 extra money on your entry. Can literally be placed in less than 60 seconds. It is that easy. We love Prize Picks and we know that you will too. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code locked on. And Chris, how goes it? It's good to catch up. We uh we obviously on the, the same side of the conference here, but uh, don't get these crossovers too often. How are things yeah. going? Uh, things are good. It's it's kind of crazy here in Pittsburgh. Uh, it, it's it's funny. The I think the last time the Dolphins and Steelers faced was the year the Dolphins were basically setting up to get Tua and the Steelers were dealing with their first not go of without it without Ben Roethlisberger because he was hurt for the season. And that was another night game in Pittsburgh. I was there, but that was one of the craziest. That was a crazy week. Uh, but you know, it, it's an interesting place for both of these teams to be in. Tua coming back healthy. Uh, the Steelers dealing with Kenny Pickett, looking like he'll be back healthy. And I'm sure we'll get into all of that. But it's, uh, it's a definitely a very interesting historic time to be uh, covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, and and I would love to hear you talk about that most prominent storyline for Pittsburgh, whether it is the transition from Trubisky to Kenny Pickett and then the concussion and, and what that status is at the quarterback position, if it's something else about the offense, if it's the injuries on defense. Like when you think about Pittsburgh and their snapshot right now going into week seven, what's that big storyline for you? Well, right now, I think it's still Kenny Pickett because, you know, he was concussed in uh, in, in Sunday's contest against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the th in the third quarter and, uh, you know, wasn't able to return to the game. And then everyone was wondering, would he play? And not only that, everyone was wondering, how would Mitch Trubisky do? Well, he came in, went 9 of 12, threw for 144 yards, scored a touchdown against the Buccaneers, threw a touchdown to Chase Claypool, and then ran, had a four-minute and 38-second drive to run the clock out at the end of the game to make sure Tom Brady didn't get a chance to, to take the lead and win it. Uh, and so everyone was wondering, well, 
you know, is Mitch Trubisky back? Is he going to be the guy? Mike Tomlin ended that. He said, no, if Kenny Pickett is cleared to play, he will play. And it was noted today from Deontay Johnson, and other Steelers at practice today. He did practice and he was he was running, uh, you know, with the ones. And he's still not technically out of the concussion protocol, but you you can work non-contact in that in that situation. But all things be you seem to appear as Mike Tomlin said they would that he'll be back and ready to play. But still, I think the biggest thing here, Kyle, is that the Steelers' offense under coordinator Matt Canada. You know, a lot of people have had a lot of criticisms, and it's natural, right? Whenever a team's not doing well, every, the the coaches are all to blame. Everyone's stupid. Everyone's dumb. Fire them all. But. I, at the end of the, the the Buccaneers game, the Steelers started doing something that they hadn't done for the past several years, even before Matt Canada, when it was Ben Roethlisberger's last years with Randy Feekner, but throwing the ball down the middle part of the field. It just seemed like they wouldn't touch it. It was just a it was a no man's land that the Steelers would not target, you know, and, and not and not just like five yards in front you know, down the middle, but like 10, 15, 20 yards. And then and Mitch Trubisky in his first four starts for the Steelers didn't do it. And then all of a sudden, that fourth quarter, he was doing it and he was throwing it and it, it was what got the offense going. It allowed Chase Claypool to have his best game probably since his rookie season. And now the question is, you know, everyone's been blaming Matt Canada. And I've been saying all along, guys, there's, there's people open downfield, especially down the middle. And if you watch the all 22, the quarterbacks just need to throw it. And now the question is with Kenny Pickett coming back, can he do that? Because, you know, the Steelers have lived a lot on the outsides, relying on Deontay Johnson's route running ability to get open, relying on George Pickens to get open with comeback routes, without patterns, trying to get easy, you know, programmable throws that they don't have to process too much of the defense. They just got to read one guy. But this is the Dolphins. They've got Xavier Howard. You don't want to test him too much. You don't want to test the outside. You want to try to attack that middle part of the field, try to get things going and let some of your bigger guys come back. It seems like Pat Frymuth's back. The question I think that will be for the Steelers, can Kenny Pickett kind of show some progress after his after his first two starts in the NFL? And can he attack the middle part of the field to get the Steelers offense going? And just real quick before we move on from Kenny Pickett, I'd love to hear from you because it was the kind of the the deep end of the pool that they threw Kenny Pickett into when you looked at yeah. the schedule for Pittsburgh and the defenses and said, Hey, you're going to go out and you're going to play Buffalo and you, Hey, you're going to go out and you're, you're going to play Tampa Bay. And Hey, you're going to go out and you're going to play Miami. Uh, and, and, the Eagles got next some week. and the Eagles <laughs> next week. Right. So um, how has he lived up to the expectations of being the only first round quarterback in this year's class and, sitting for the first month of the season to kind of get himself acclimated. How has he, how has he looked in your mind? I mean, I, he's looked like a professional and, and I covered Kenny Pickett for two years at the university of Pittsburgh, where I've, I've covered his, his rise there. And I mean, even when he was breaking Dan Marino's records or he was losing to Western Michigan, that, that guy was, was, was always right here. He was never high. He was never low. I, and I try to get him. I'm like, Kenny, you just broke Dan Marino's passing record at the, at, you know, for the, for the program. How does that feel? He's like, I'm not, I'm not buying into it, Chris. I got to worry about Wake Forest next week. I got to worry about North Carolina next week. Right. You know, like, and I, it was like, I was like, come on, Kenny. And the only time I got him to like take a, a breath was when they won the ACC championships. I'm like, oh, like, all right, Kenny, you got a month. Can we get some reaction from you? And and that's kind of how he is. And even when things aren't going his way, like the whole training camp, he was just like, hey, I'm doing my job. Mitch is a great leader. Uh, you know, Mason's been a great leader. These guys have helped me. And he never wavered. And even in the Bills game, when things weren't going his way, you saw the competitiveness. You know, he took a, like a little bit of a late hit at one point of the game, and he he pushed back. His teammates like that, and they they've appreciated 
his approach to things. And it's also been interesting because a report came from one of my, one of my colleagues at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Jerry Dulac, that there was a fight in the middle of halftime of the Jets game before Kenny Pickett came in between Deontay Johnson and Mitch Trubisky. And, you know, not like a fist fight, but a yelling match. And it was just like a whoa. And I don't think the two were associated. I think it was just a natural progress that Mike Tomlin was pretty much going to put Kenny Pickett in anyways. But uh, to see how he's handled it, he looks just like the Kenny Pickett. The reason they got him wasn't because he had the strongest arm or the fastest legs or anything like that. Kenny Pickett was brought to the Pittsburgh Steelers because they saw him mature in their own facility because Pitt and the Steelers train in the same building, and they saw him mature into a guy who processes really well, sees the field really well, and leads. And that I think they they still – that hasn't changed out of Kenny Pickett. The problem is there's no identity to this offense, and I think that that's the biggest struggle he's he's in the middle of is finding how he fits into an offense that hasn't found its identity yet. Well, and I think when you look at this game from the Dolphins side of things, that's the biggest thing that the Dolphins are are hopeful for is that the true identity of who this team was designed to be, we're going to see for the first time in a month because through the first three games, uh, Tua Tungvaloa played very well. You know, there were still some growing pains within operating into another new offense. You know, he's had a, a more co- offensive coordinators than he has played in college and pro combined. It's been a new guy every single year. So there's always kind of been this initial restart for Tua Tonga-Valoa, but the fact that he was as productive as he was in the midst of that new program was really exciting. And you saw that with the speed on the outside with Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill and some of the backs that they have underneath that can contribute in the passing game. And then obviously suffers the concussion against Cincinnati. He's on the shelf for two and a half games. And the Dolphins, although the, their passing efficiency and if uh, volume has yeah. not wavered, uh, it has not been the same. And they are hoping that the return of Tua Tungvaloa as the one of the leaders on the team, he's a captain this year, which he was not last year, and that was a big stink. Uh, but but he's absolutely making this team and this offense his own, and you kind of saw the early signs of that. And now we're hoping that when he's reinserted back into the offense after a really slow start and three points scored offensively against Minnesota. And, you know, you started slow against the New York jets as well. And Teddy Bridgewater found his footing eventually, but started slow against Cincinnati when he came into the game and the dolphins, this is three consecutive games that the quarterback that they started the game with was not the quarterback that finished the game. And ideally to a energizing presence, the guy who was designed to run the offense with his strengths and weaknesses, that is what the Dolphins are hoping that they are going to get back with Tua Tungvaloa touching the field for the first time since that injury on Thursday night football against the Bengals. I think that's going to be huge. I've been I've admired Tua the way he's handled things. You know, a lot of people you know looked at his arm strength. A lot of people looked at his size and they said, "Oh, he's not going to he's not going to make it last." And one thing, and we'll get to this with my matchups, you know, point and questions that I have for you, Kyle. Uh, you know, I find it fascinating that when you look at Pro Football Focus and the man has the fifth most yards in deep ball passing, uh, passes that travel. He has 324 yards. He's played three games. Like, you know, you got Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, and somehow he's up there with those guys. And it's just, it's remarkable to me when I see that. But again, you look at the top two receivers and you see your answers to that. But still, to me, that's very fascinating. And there's no doubt that the Dolphins are got to be happy to get this guy back on on the field. Yeah, and even the stuff that he does in the quick game, uh, as far as Mm -hmm. RPO, play action passing, his ball fakes are really good. But then after he carries those out and he kind of sells to 
second level defenders or safeties that are rolling down, whoever that may be that they're reading in those situations is foot quickness and his ability to quickly release the ball out of those fakes is something that you look at Skylar Thompson and you look at Teddy Bridgewater and it's not there. So that for Miami too, kind of having a more versatile offense and having success in those concepts where they've still run some of those concepts, but you can just feel that it's not as crisp. The ball placement's not as good. You're leaving yards after catch on the field because of the quarterbacks that stepped into his place. So that for Miami is of course uh, the, the biggest thing that they are, are looking to have pop offensively for them. Whether you are looking to pop your own question, you have a milestone to celebrate or you just want to let your love sparkle. Blue Nile can help make your celebrations even more memorable. As an original online jeweler, Blue Nile offers the largest selection of independently graded diamonds and pieces priced significantly below traditional retailers. Blue Nile has helped millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring. Their easy online tools let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as the setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then help you craft her perfect one-of-a-kind engagement ring. Shop stress-free with Blue Nile's 100% satisfaction guarantee. All Blue Nile orders are insured and shipped for, a for free in discreet packaging. They also offer overnight shipping if you're in a rush. Make your moment sparkle with Blue Nile. Go to BlueNile.com and use code LOCKEDON to save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more. That is BlueNile.com. B-L-U-E-N-I-L-E. Code locked on to save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more. BlueNile.com, code locked on. So, Chris, you mentioned uh, key matchups, and this is this is my favorite segment on Crossover Thursdays because, hmm. you know, you get at predictions at the end, and everybody's kind of going to lean into a little bit with some optimism, or at least that's been my experience thus far. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but this is really the nitty-gritty of the game. Yeah. And I look at these two teams, and I think there's some really fascinating matchups in the trenches, on the perimeter, and quarterbacks versus DBs. Too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as as you look at these two teams and who's expected to play or at least this point in the week, what are some of the matchups that you are interested in and, and, and want to talk through a little bit here? Well, I think, like you said, you know, quarterback versus secondary and, and those top two receivers, 68 percent of the Dolphins passing offense runs through their top two receivers, you know, and and, and not that that's, you know, when you have two powerful guys like that. You got to do it that way. You got to feed the beasts, and, and I get that. And that's not and that's not to a bad thing. But if you're the Steelers, and you you had last week, they were missing their top three cornerbacks: Akella Witherspoon done, Levi Wallace down, Cam Sutton didn't 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 play, and they were missing Minka Fitzpatrick. And somehow they found a way to hang in there with the Buccaneers. That's not going to work this week. These guys, their, their receivers are faster, and Tua Tagovailoa being back is going to find ways to get them the ball, and he's going to be mobile enough to kind of extend plays the way Tom Brady can't anymore. So I, I look at this, and I think the biggest factor is. Can the Steelers secondary after be miss, missing last week, can they do the things that they were doing at the start of the season? Um, because when they played the Bengals in week one and Joe Burrow, they, inter they, they got five turnovers and they intercepted, I think, four times in that game because they were bracketing well, because they were taking away guys. And they did that well even with the backups last week. But a big thing for this game for me is – 
They have to bracket Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and they have to trust other guys like slot cornerback uh, Arthur Mollette. Or if if all three cornerbacks are healthy, that'll be Cam Sutton this time and safety Terrell Edmonds and Miles Jack and Devin Bush. If all those guys are healthy, and it looks like they might be for this game, they have to trust those guys to take away the Mike Gusecki's to to you know to take to take away you know Raheem Mostert out of the backfield, the Cedric Wilson Juniors, at least minimize their able their abilities. You know the Trent Sherfields, the guys, those guys to be able to impact this game because I think truly what this is going to come down to are those two receivers and how they're bracketed. You know whether it's whether it's you know Witherspoon and and make up its Patrick double teaming on Tyreek Hill to kind of make sure like hey two if you're going to throw it here you're throwing it in between two defenders. And I think that's the biggest thing is how many times can they get him to throw a pass that maybe he wouldn't throw in a normal situation. And that starts, of course, with up front, you know, making sure that the run game doesn't get going for the Dolphins, forcing them into more third and longs. But in those third and longs, can Tua Tagovailoa win the battle of, of, of the mind in the chess match in one, finding the open man, but two, not falling for those times, they're going to bracket him. Because I guarantee you, you're going to see a lot of that on Sunday night when these two teams match up. What's the big matchup that you're looking at? Well, as I think about that specific matchup with the Dolphins passing game versus those DBs, I think the tightrope effect is going to be, or the effort to walk the tightrope is going to be really interesting with Tua coming back. And he said this week, you know, historically I have not done as good of a job as I should have of, of, taking the throws underneath or throwing the ball away because I'm trying to make big plays. I just have to stay patient and let plays come to me and live to fight another down. So hearing you talk about that and then juxtaposing that against his comments about, Hey, I need to not try to make too much happen. Is he going to press? Is he going to be a little more conservative than what he was to, to be quicker to take the stuff underneath? Is he, going to say that and then come out and still want to make big plays and make a statement for the dolphins mm -hmm. and be the, so that, that psychology component for two, I think is really important, but when Miami has the ball and then I obviously want to talk with Pittsburgh has the ball in those matchups mm -hmm. as well. But um, the big matchup for me is whoever the interior defensive lineman is. That's over top of Liam Eikenberg, the left guard, because he's been a problem and mm. he's a second year player. They drafted him. Uh, they originally planned on playing him at left guard last year, and then they moved him to right tackle. And then Austin Jackson had COVID and missed a game, and they moved him to left tackle. And then he was back to guard, and then he ended up playing uh, right tackle in practice. And then he ended up playing like the vast majority of the season at left tackle. And now he's settled in at left tackle. But the constant shuffling throughout that rookie season uh, – has has been a detriment and it sounds like the dolphins are expecting that they will get both tackles back this week Teron armstead that's good and austin jackson who's been on ir since after week one he played about mm -hmm. 15 snaps uh, against the patriots and went on ir it sounds like both of those guys coach mcdaniel after the game against the vikings said they were very close to playing this week and knowing that they are a big picture injury and workload management team it's not surprising to hear that those guys, because the offensive coordinator said, we're really optimistic Austin Jackson is going to play in week six. Mm. Well, he didn't. And I'm not surprised if, if they don't look at that game and say, let's take the extra week and then make sure those guys are fully healthy when our quarterback is coming back from his injury since he had cleared concussion protocol and time for them to make that decision to not play in week six and play in week seven. Uh, I, I think there was probably some strategic decision-making there with personnel and, Let's make sure we are healthy when we need everybody all hands on deck for Tua against Pittsburgh. So 
getting those tackles back will be huge, but Liam Eikenberg, whether, I mean, whether it's Larry Ogunjobi or Tyson Alulu or Cameron Hayward, like those guys are going to have a chance to eat inside mm-hmm. when they're going against the left guard for the dolphins and uh, whoever that player ends up being, I'm really fascinated to see how the dolphins try to mitigate the damage there. And hopefully Teron Armstead back on his left-hand side will help make sure the communication is right. But that's a, that's an exploitable matchup for Pittsburgh. When I look at their talent up front, I'll tell you what it that was. It was Luke Gadecki for the Buccaneers last week who they picked on. And, and I, I said that going in, the Steelers' pass rush had kind of dulled for a couple weeks, but I had said all season long when Mitch Trubisky was in there, there were against the Bengals, the defense played a hundred snaps, and then against the next week they played eighty snaps, and the week after that they played eighty snaps, and I was like, these guys are exhausted; they're just out there on the field too long. And then, you know, by the Jets game when Kenny Pickett came in, they've been playing a lot closer to sixty snaps. They've been playing you know, the, the time of possession battle. They've won a couple times, even when they lost the Bills, they were they weren't on the field as much. And I think you saw in this Buccaneers game a more aggressive version of the Steelers' defense, especially up front. And Luke Kadecki had left their left guard in the Buccaneers. They went after him, and they and they they love to move those guys around. They, they went and got Ogan Joby just so they could have a veteran next to Cam Hayward, and they can learn to trust each other a lot quicker. Um, they're missing Demarvin Leal, who was a rookie that was standing out a little bit, but still, those two guys, Chris Wormley's a decent veteran who's come who's come in. Montrevious Adam Tyson Alulu, they've been kind of the guys that have fallen behind a little bit up in the interior, but they're certainly doing it and I think it's huge like you said for Teron Armstead to be back because Alex Highsmith currently leads the NFL in sacks and he loves coming off the edge he's been he's been really good at just kind of getting one a game uh you know last week he had a big one on Tom Brady almost you know he forced his second fumble in the season almost recovered it uh but I do think Leon Eichenberg you know I got their Steelers are going to try to find a way to combinate there and they're going to try to find a way to make it hard for Tua Tagovailoa to Rest, you know, get and stay in the pocket, make the smart reads, make the conservative reads. And, you know, the Steelers are doing the same thing with their quarterbacks. Mr. Trubisky, I mean, he was super conservative to start the season. And Mike Tomlin said against the Bengals, that was the plan after the Bengals game, not so much. And he just couldn't get out of that mode. And Kenny Pickett, when he started out against the Jets, he was firing balls down the field. He was, you know, being a little reckless. And then the last couple games, especially after the Bills game, he was, he turned a little bit more conservative again. And I think it's, it's that balance that every young quarterback, uh, you know, Mitch Trubisky's not so much young anymore, but every quarterback that's finding their footing in the NFL, they're trying to find that place and they're trying to find that space so that they can make safe decisions, but also smart decisions. But you should make some safe decisions by going and getting simply safe because, I want to give you a sports analogy. When you're playing, when if you have a house, imagine your house is the end zone and the burglars are trying to get into that end zone. Well, you need the strongest defense out there. You need a goal line stand. And here's where Simply Safe's home and security comes into play for you. Your safety is the only thing that matters to them. And they have cutting edge technology powered by 24 7 personal monitoring agents who always have your back so that you always know that your home is safe. What I can tell you is that Simply Safe staff is always there available to help when you call them. They're attentive, they pay attention to you. And what you're asking and they do everything they can to help you find what you're looking for and figure out whatever situation you're in. I really love how simple the phone app makes it makes using Simply Safe. It keeps you up to date with the safety of your home at all times. It makes it easy to get answers when you have questions thanks to their app and support team. With the 24/7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Simply Safe blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and outside your home. 
Customize the, per the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes with simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month for free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL to learn more because there's no safe like Simply Safe. Kyle, we got to talk about these uh, about the, about what we see here is and how we talk about matchups. We talk about things that both teams got to watch for. Now everyone wants to see our predictions. But before we get to predictions, I always like to talk about what's going to be the turning point. And, and and it's it's talking about those matchups, but maybe even other matchups we didn't have time to discuss. Before I, I want you to give people your prediction, but leading into your prediction, you yeah. know, how do you see this game playing out? And what's the moment or what's the factor that kicks in this game? And it's like, oh, snap, that team has the advantage and carries that advantage to victory. I am looking to see whether or not the Dolphins can get the turnover bug or, or the, the turnover drought off their back. They have yeah. forced one turnover defensively in the last five games. That's And that's for, for a team that has feasted over the last two years when they've won 19 games over the last two seasons – on turning opposing offenses over, it hasn't been there. And, you know, as a result of some of the, the injuries in the cornerback room, Byron Jones is still on the PUP. Uh, Nick Needham, the starting nickel corner, has been playing outside in his absence. Well, he just tore his Achilles last weekend, and uh, he's out for the season. They signed Mackenzie Alexander in training camp, and he was there for a week before he had a season-ending injury. They had a second-year corner in Trill Williams, who they were really excited about, and he had a season-ending injury the first week of camp. So they, they've really taken some hits at corner, and as a result, they've had to change how they're playing their coverages. And because they're playing a little softer to protect their guys, that pass rush that they've been so known for hasn't been able to consistently get home without the quarterback getting the ball underneath his check down. So mm. the turning point for me is can the Dolphins force the Steelers' quarterbacks to either just consistently live in that quick perimeter game that you were talking about, Chris, mm -hmm. and they'll be plenty willing and happy because that was the formula for them to beat the Buffalo Bills. And as right. you said, you know, with some of those Steelers games, when the defense is out there 90 plays, the Dolphins defense was out there in that game 90 plays. Josh Allen threw the ball like 62 times, but everything was effectively within eight yards of the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. if, you, if, you can one, if you can force them to live in that world, that's fine, but if you can't, can you force them to hold the ball, extend some plays, and then let the pass rush get home? So sacks and turnovers are the two big things for me, as should be the case in most games that you play, but they've been absent for Miami the last couple of weeks. So if Miami can get a couple early hands on the ball, strip a ball out, set themselves up on a short field, I think that can be a really good turning point. And listen, I host Locked On Dolphins, so I'm mm -hmm. gonna say law of averages eventually is gonna come into play here. I hear you, and I think I think they do it. They're at home, so I think they do it. Uh, I think this is gonna be another close game, though. You know, I look at the Dolphins, and uh, I I don't think defensively they are just gonna be completely stalwarting teams uh, because of the the injuries that they've taken in the secondary. They really can't squeeze and vice you the way that you want to. So probably 26, 21 dolphins or something like that. I, I do bet that they get the turnovers that have been really hard to come by the last couple of weeks, but, uh, I'm expecting it's an exciting game on Sunday night. 
I, th- I think it's going to be exciting too, and I think that's a good thing to look at as far as as far as the turnover game. The Steelers right now have the fifth most forced turnovers because I think that's what's going to determine this game. And I, I think this is a this is a coin flip game. I, I haven't looked at the lines for this game as far as the betting lines, but for me, like I, I would put this at both teams. Whoever gets the late turnover is going to win the game, and and, and or if you know if they get early turnovers, can they score off of them to set up a, a big lead? But I, I truly think these are two offenses. Even though I mean, I think you know, the Dolphins are much farther along in their offense than the Steelers are right now. And if, but of course they need Tua to kind of get back into the fold and, and right. feel that to get going. Um, I, I think that the Steelers on defense with their guys coming back, they went and got the, they went and they made sure they kept Witherspoon. They added Levi Wallace. They kept Cam Sutton so that they could have three veteran cornerbacks that Minka Fitzpatrick can talk to roll around. They got, they kept, they brought back Terrell Edmonds. Uh, they brought in DeMonte KZ. Looks like he might be ready next week, not this week. Um, and they've been waiting for him to be healthy again, but even without him, They've been, when they were in there and they're not playing 100 snaps a game, those guys are flying all over the place. They're trying to confuse. They're trying to confuse quarterbacks. They confuse Joe Burrow a lot in week one. Um, you know, and Minka Fitzpatrick, he's got three interceptions on the season. I think that a, a week's rest was exactly what he needed. I didn't expect them to beat the Buccaneers last week uh, with without him and their top three corners and Pat Frymuth all gone. All those guys are coming back. I just see with those guys returning, the defense feeling more rested, being able to play the way that they will. And I just I'm not convinced that the Dolphins have the offensive line or the solidified running game to kind of bruise the Steelers because that's where that's where I think a lot of their faults have been. You know, the Patriots offense didn't crush the Steelers until the late part of the game when they just started running the football that Bill Belichickian way where he just he once he gets his offensive line going, he keeps feeding, you know, insert running backs name here. That's just what he's always done since he's since he's been coaching the Patriots. And they were able to use that to crush the Steelers defense in the end. I'm not so sure that the Dolphins have that that advantage. I think the one of the things that the Steelers have on their side is with Minka Fitzpatrick back this week, as we, we, we presume he's going to be the way that they're talking about it and the, and the and the participation that he had in Wednesday's practice. I think it limits the Dolphins' ability to get the big plays like they did. Like, you know, watching that Ravens game was crazy in week two. I was like, whoa, what is happening there? I think that they limit those, and it forces Tua to make some decisions that he doesn't like, and it'll come down to can the Steelers' secondary make plays in the football? I think they do, but like you, I think this goes down to the wire. I think this is close. I'm going with the Steelers 24-23, but I don't blame anybody picking the Dolphins in this game. The Steelers haven't been consistent. This is just more so I think that they have they felt something last week. They they got they grabbed something last week, and they're not gassed. You know, After that Bengals game, they were they were in the defense. They wouldn't say it, but they were gassed going into the next game, and then they had a Thursday night game right after that and i'm like guys you're averaging 90 snaps a game you know this this ain't gonna work and you saw the browns just kind of mow them over with their with their rushing offense i think that that plays to their favor and the big thing is like i said late third quarter early fourth quarter who starts making the biggest mistakes i think both quarterbacks are going to be a little bit conservative you know to start they're going to take safe throws let their you you take the easy reads let their wide receivers be the playmakers in this game but eventually it's going to come down to who can make that big play and not and, and take the big risk without getting picked off. I think the Steelers get this one just because I think their secondary is going to be a little bit healthier. You know, noting you know what the what the Dolphins are going through. But like I said, Kyle, I don't blame you for picking the Dolphins because the Steelers. I've I've uh, I've I've made I've I've made myself look good by not picking them a couple times this year. <laughs> well, one thing that we know for sure is anybody who wants to watch the game can because it's going to be the only show in town on Sunday night. Yes, Sunday sir. night football. Hard Rock Stadium, Miami Gardens, 
the Steelers and the Dolphins with Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers. I am Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins. We really appreciate everybody who checked out this crossover Thursday, every Thursday here on the Locked On Network. It's your team every day. We don't just say it, we live it. Make sure you check out the entire network and all of the great shows that we have for all of your favorite sports and their teams. Enjoy the game on Sunday night, and thanks for listening or for watching. That was our episode here on Locked on Steelers, getting you crossover Thursday. We'll be back tomorrow with Jenna Harner breaking things down like we always do on a Friday episode and keeping you updated with all the things going on with your Pittsburgh Steelers. Thanks again for checking out the Locked on Steelers podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and YouTube. Like this video if you saw it on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel to get all of our daily Monday through Friday episodes as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making the Locked on Steelers podcast your first listen every day. Again, I'm Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Read me with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'll see you guys on our Friday episode here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. Thank you.